As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey guys, what's up? This is Josh Norman. You listen to Redskins Talk with J.P. Finley. What up, folks? J.P. Finley, Redskins Talk Podcast. There is no bye week on Redskins Talk Podcast. Instead, we are celebrating fan week. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're sharing Redskins fans' stories, Redskins fans' favorite moments from over the years. This is a really cool project. I think you guys are going to really enjoy it. And, And what I hope happens is you guys listen to these stories, and then you start telling me your own. You can email me. You can shoot them on Twitter, Facebook, whatever. Send me videos. We can use them in our shows, Redskins 100. I want to hear from you. I want to hear what makes you Redskins fans. And uh, to get things started in today's episode, you're going to hear from Kevin Sheehan of ESPN 980. You're going to hear from Chad Dukes of 106.7. And then you're going to hear from the one and only Burgundy blog, who's, who's a true fan that has risen to some some you know important some level of prominence in the Redskins fan community, and uh, had a ton of Twitter followers, and I know that a lot of Redskins fans respect and appreciate what he thinks about the team. Their stories are really cool. Before we get into any of that, I want to thank the good folks at Commuter Connections. A couple clicks is all it takes to share a ride to work when you want, where you want, for free. CommuterConnections.org, 800-745-RIDE. And their app is Carpool Now. So, so check those guys out. Also, I have uh, I have some sad to lame news to announce. I am out of our survivor group. I am a dope. You guys know that by now. I messed up one week where I didn't make a pick, and then I lost last week with the Chargers. I love the Chargers. I uh, I'm I'm disappointed in myself. So hopefully you guys are as well. There are still plenty of people going. The prize is still out there. You get to pick an item of clothing out of Rich Tandler's closet. He may or may not agree to that. Um, but probably the cooler prize, you get to come on Redskins Talk Podcast, and you can talk with me and with Tandler about whatever you want, really. Um, we can talk football, or, or we can talk, I don't know, Tandler's, cl- Tandler's clothing choices. Whatever you want to talk about, we can do. Um, I say we get on with the show. Fan Week is here. Enjoy these interviews. Please be sure that you are subscribing and leaving us reviews on the podcast. We really appreciate you guys. Here we go. 
It's not the bye week. It's fan week on Redskins Talk Podcast. Kevin Sheehan from ESPN 980 hosts the Kevin and Cooley show every morning. I listen to it all the time when I'm walking my dog and my daughter in her stroller. Sheehan, what's up, man? Thanks so much for coming on. My pleasure, JP. Anytime. Um, so you know kind of what we're doing here. We're, we're talking fan stories just over a lifetime of, of, of D.C. DMV people. And, I mean, have you, you've been a Skins fan your entire life, right? Yeah, I mean, I – yes, for sure. I mean, I, I was one of those uh, – in one of the families where we actually were lucky enough to have season tickets. My dad got season tickets when D.C. Stadium opened in 1961, I guess it was. Wow, and before they even renamed it RFK. Yeah, and, um, and so I sort of grew up as a kid going to games in the 70s, 80s, and then my dad stopped going in the 90s because he was sick of going to games, so my brother and I and, and, and friends would go every week, and, and it was, RFK was really, I know everyone's heard the stories if you didn't get to actually go to see a, a Redskins game there, but it really was a special place part of it was because they won a lot and it was a small venue so the same people were in the same seats week in and week out um but there was it was an environment that really i I don't think this city's ever seen i mean i was a kid and got to go to enough games at rfk that 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 feeling and excitement has never been replicated in my lifetime certainly never um and, and honestly the closest and this is another sport you and I are, are passionate about. Like college hoops to me is, is the closest local feeling. I mean, there's been some Caps games that have been electric, but I would say a big game at Cole Fieldhouse or, or Xfinity Center. Or, you know, there were a couple times where Georgetown would host Duke or something. There's been some other electric moments, but still nothing has touched RFK. Uh, you, you and I are of the same sort of rooting, um, have the same rooting interest in and being a, a born and raised Washingtonian and then having gone to almost everything in this town, to me, number one, number two, and whatever's th- third is a distant third, is RFK for a big game, Cole Fieldhouse for a big game, in terms of just the atmosphere and the environment. And Xfinity's been close, uh, but there was something spectacular about Cole Fieldhouse um, and, and walking into that arena on a cold January night for a big game against Carolina. I mean, it was as big as college basketball got. And, you know, in the 80s in particular, I mean, ACC basketball was, the, you know, was the, basically the, the, the center of the, of the college basketball universe. And some of those games that were played in that building were, were just epic. Agreed. I, 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 you, I feel like you and I could go on for a long time talking <laughs> ACC Maryland hoops. Um, but we'll try The one thing I'll say, the, the, one of the coolest atmospheres, and I would compare this to RFK a little bit, I was at game four of, I'm terrible with years, but when Jason Worth the walk-off. hit that yep. walk-off, I want to say it was 2014. It was great. Right? It was great. And that was the closest to an RFK feeling because everybody in the stands was hugging each other. People were just throwing beer, soda, chips, pretzels, whatever they had was just flying up in the air. And it was still that outdoor atmosphere. And it was, you know, it was the fall, so it was a little chill in the air. That, that to me, is as close to that. I mean, the stands weren't shaking. It's a new place, but that place was buzzing. Certainly, that, that was awesome. And I, you know, and I've been to Verizon like you have for some of these big game sevens, and the atmosphere is great. But 
you know, it's really hard if you were in RFK Stadium for a Redskins-Cowboy game for anything to resemble that. Um, There was just this sort of guttural, you know, raucous, almost, you know, violent, you know, sort of tone that the crowd took on that I just have never seen matched except for, like we were talking about before, some of those big Maryland games out of Cole or, or Comcast. Yeah, and, and I think you'd agree with me. We're not to suggest that it's not matched anywhere. I think you go to a Alabama or Tennessee or Florida game or, or you know, now, I like, Kansas City, Seattle, Denver, the type of home field advantages those teams have developed. But, that, but JP, that's what RFK was in the 80s and 90s, 70s, 80s and 90s. RFK was what people think of Seattle now or Arrowhead now. I yeah. mean, it was the most feared road game in the league for, you know, for two decades. I mean, RFK Stadium was considered to be impossible to go to and win. And... Um, you know, and, and I've got I've got so many memories from so many games in that place. Well, that is the perfect segue then, and I'm guessing you're going to trend to the RFK days. But what I'm asking for is, folks, and, and it's totally open-ended. It's up to you however you want to answer this, but your favorite Redskins moment or your favorite Redskins memory. Well, that for me is easy. Um, my favorite all-time Redskins moment is the 83, the January 83 championship game against the Cowboys. I was there that day. Um, I'll never forget it. It's one of those things that if you were there, and I've heard many other people tell the same story, and all of the people we know, you know, Doc and Jake and Rigo um, and Bostic and, and everybody that was there as a player, they all tell the same story that they've never been in a stadium or in an environment that felt that way. And I remember we weren't the type of family that got to games early, but that particular Saturday, it was, it was on a Saturday at noon, we got there about an hour before kickoff. And, I'm, and I swear to God, this is no exaggeration, 45 minutes before kickoff, there was not an empty seat. Wow. It was filled, and when the Cowboys initially came out for their warm-ups, it was as loud as it would have been in, in, in a normal game in the fourth quarter and the we want Dallas chant still to this day when I hear it you know or see it on YouTube you know you get sort of that spine tingling feeling in the back of your neck and it was the loudest venue I've ever been in um, by far. I, I, I was at a Yankee playoff game one year. Uh, I've been in the. I was at the Boston Garden once for for an NBA uh, Finals uh, game uh, oh, against cool. the Lakers. It is by far and away the loudest, most raucous environment I've ever been in. It started that way an hour before kickoff, and it was that way throughout. And uh, it was a thrilling win, and it was one of those revenge-type things. The Cowboys, you know, had had the leg up. They had won the regular season game. It was the only regular season loss in that short strike, shortened season. Um, So there was that whole revenge thing going on. The rivalry was at its height. And it was spectacular with the way the game went. Uh, that, that to me, is number one, and whatever's number two is distant. But uh, that, that was the most incredible day. That, I, I got a little bit of goosebumps listening to you describe that. I mean, that predates me. I, I, uh, so my first trip to RFK was in 1988. Um, I was a tiny, tiny kid. But uh, that place was, was really special. Um, 
and, and that story is just so damn cool. Well, uh, uh, you know what's interesting, JP, too, is the next season after they won the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 17 over the Dolphins, which was a week later. They didn't have two weeks uh, that particular year because of the strike-shortened uh, season and the way the season got backed up. But the next season, uh, in September of, of 83, they opened on a Monday night against the Cowboys at home. Yep. And that environment was crazy. They like, lost that, was, that, right? They that was... lost that game, but they were up 23-3 at halftime. Oh, wow. And then Danny White hit Tony Hill twice in the second half, and they lost 31-30. But, you know, the Monday night atmosphere, the opener, the, the rematch with the Cowboys to open the season on national TV, that environment environment that night was sick um and it was crazy that was also by the way that that uh the night that howard cosell called alvin garrett uh in a very innocent way but it ended up uh being you know blown up into a huge thing when he referred to alvin garrett as a little monkey oh wow um but that was uh, that game i didn't realize that yeah that was that game but um that was another memorable night and they lost but that the Cowboy games at RFK Stadium were all memorable. There was no rivalry like that rivalry in the NFL, or really, you know, it was one of the top rivalries in sports for, you know, the better part of two and a half decades, three sure. decades, and sure. the games that were played at RFK were special. Let me ask you this: Just you mentioned it. Why was the NFC Championship game on a on a Saturday? Uh, they had that game on a Saturday, and then the AFC Championship game was on the next day. I I I, I don't remember the reason. It was the playoff field was eight teams each conference because of the nine game regular season because of the strike. So they ended up having sort of a, a playoff tournament where you know the Redskins played the Lions, uh, then they played the Vikings. Then they played the Cowboys, even though they were in the number one seed. They played three playoff games to get to the Super Bowl. And, um, they, yeah, they, play, they played that game on a Saturday, and they played the Dolphin-Jet game. It was the Dolphins and Jets, I think, the next day. Wow, that's cool. I would not have known that. Um, now, obviously, the, not even recent. The last 20 years, history doesn't come close to any of that. But if you had to pick a game kind of from 2000 on or, or even a moment, and, and I know for some people that moment was RG3's run against the Vikings or, you know, Santana's Monday night against the Cowboys, something like that, or even some of the, the great Sean Taylor plays that, that he made or Portis's first run when he, when he joined the Redskins, that opening game. It, is there a game or a moment that certainly the, the, the success – this sustained and level of success hasn't been hit but there have been some fun times is there anything that sticks out for you i mean it's it's hard because of the lack of success but i i would say the monday night miracle which you mentioned in dallas um the reason that that was so memorable is because as a fan you were thinking all right joe gibbs it's year two we're back were, you know, there was really that feeling in the moment. You know, his first year in 2004, they went 6-10, and 10, but things were starting to turn towards the end of that year. They were playing better football. They So they open up 2005, and you win against the Bears at home, and then you're week two in Dallas against your arch rival, and there was just, it was so stunning, too, because they were dominated for basically the better part of three and a half quarters and getting shut out 
and then Brunel hit Santana Moss twice in the final three and a half, four minutes of the game. And it was so shocking. But I, re- I remember just thinking, you know, God, you know, it, there's, he's got the magic touch in this organization's going to turn around. So that's a, a, a real memory. And then I think RG3's first game at the Superdome, that was really spectacular. And it was another moment in which you thought, okay, where things are going to turn now for the better. You know, they've got a quarterback, they've got a superstar, and what a win this was and how much fun this is going to be. And, of course, that ended with, you know, um, it ended in a heap fun, uh, right. on the field against Seattle in a playoff game three, four months later. I wish that's how it ended. And that, well, that, let me rephrase that. I wish that was the end of everything, but sadly that saga got much worse too, right. which is kind of – which has kind of soured how much fun 2012 was. You know what I mean? Because what what happened that year on the field was magical. It was it was something that I don't think people were expecting, or uh, it was lightning in a bottle, man. It was, and you know when the 30 for 30 on Griffin comes out, which it's going to, and you know all of us are going to watch that thing because there are so many stories that I think have have yet to be sort of told or revealed, but you'll never take away the way fans felt uh, about 2012. You'll always have that season. Unfortunately, it ended in such a, a tragic sort of form, but, you know, from September until, you know, late December, that was just a spectacular run. Totally. And, it's just <laughs> that 30 for 30 will be something, man. And you're right. It's definitely coming. What yeah, if I told you? <laughs> yeah. That one's coming for sure. Um, Kevin, thank you so much for coming on. The uh, You are host Kevin and Cooley every morning, ESPN 980. Twitter is, is it Kevin S 980? Yep. Okay. There's plenty of ways to find him. Dude, also, I, I've been meaning to tell you this. Um, Obviously, we all love Johnny, but when you are doing the Maryland calls, you're doing a fantastic job with the football and the hoops. Oh, you're nice. Well, I mean, it's, the Texas uh, game, dude. I was in the car for the whole first half, and there was a lot going on in that game. And you were great. It was it was a lot of fun to listen to. That was the that was the easiest game to ever do because every play was a big play. Right. Right. Um, right, right. But uh, but they're in good hands with 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 the legend uh, Johnny Holiday doing games, and of and I, I I've I grew up listening to him, so I love listening to him. But it's it's great to be able to do him when he can't do him. Absolutely. Um, Kevin, thank you so much for joining us, man. We really appreciate it. Anytime, JP. Thank you. We just keep getting the biggest voices in Redskins fandom to join us on Redskins Talk Podcast. (laughs) Few are bigger than big shooter Chad Dukes. You all know him from his awesome radio show, Chad Dukes versus the World Every Day on 106.7. Dukes, what's up, man? Uh, This is... uh... Turn up out is fair play. You're interviewing me. It usually uh, goes the other way around. Thank you for having me. But. It feels weird that I didn't play R. Kelly. If I can get our, <laughs> our audio people to put that in, I'll try. Excellent. Well, Bump and Grind is probably one of the greatest uh, walkout musics that uh, anybody could ever have. It's the entrance music that Hulk Hogan can be in music. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I don't even know how that started, honestly. I'm trying to... I, I'm trying to remember. I remember it was playing, and I was like, yeah, I like Bump and Grind. Why not? And then the next week it was playing again. I think it was during the Bodie days who was just kind of having fun with it, and then it just became a thing. Yeah, I think we were doing like uh, late 90s, early 2000, 
hip-hop R&B theme on the radio show, and that just happened to be the song that was playing when you came on, and you said you enjoyed it, then I I think the rest, as they say, was history. Sure. I, I, you know what else? I think that was also during the when the Rooster was on pretty regularly with you, and there would often be, you know, hey, Rooster, what song is this? He'd have no idea. I would because it would always be like easy. It'd be Outkast or Wu Tang, like very simple, like like hits from the era that he would have no sure. idea on. And I'm I wonder if maybe <laughs> who knows, dude. <laughs> like all the days the Rooster were on the uh, the dark times for the <laughs> Empire, but uh, thankfully those have passed. Dude, the walk-up music that the Rooster has now, that remixed Bok Bok situation is incredible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, we have so much production now for when Chris Russell comes on the show that we have. <laughs> we have to have, like, external hard drives wired up just to make sure that we're ready for when he comes on the show to presumably talk about the Redskins, but usually only 50% of the interview is actually about that, and the rest is about his personal life. <laughs> that dude, you know, what's sometimes I hope that, fans and listeners and folks understand what a good person Chris is because at his core you know, he means yeah. he, he means incredibly well but but golly if he's not entertaining in a laugh at way on occasions yeah he's one of the nicest guys I've ever met uh, I really dig him yeah so, like I hope I, you know he's just ball break right well ball break ball breaking ball breaking and I come from you know a style of radio where, you know, entire shows are based around breaking each other's balls. And he takes it real well, and he dishes it back. And what I like about it is it's not a bit. It's not a character. Right. Like that guy is 100% legit and knows who he is and is comfortable with who he is. I love Chris Russell. Dude, I'm with you. Although I do like how you'll make fun of his radio voice at times. Like, well, let me tell you, whatever the heck that shtick is, I enjoy that too. It's- Thanks. Radio voices are like from the seventies. People right. puking into the microphone It's just so lame. Use your regular voice. Yeah, just different. talk. And that's one thing I really enjoy is that I am a I am a consumer of of you guys of nine eighty. I mean, I listen to way too much sports talk. My wife makes fun of me for it, um, but I like that your show is different and irreverent in different ways. And, and clearly, you're doing something that's working. I, I know you're kicking ass and getting new contracts. And congrats on all your success. Thanks, Buck. Yeah, there's plenty of guys, uh, you know, I always use the uh, analogy, the khaki khaki pants, braided belt, golf shirts, uh, sports talk. There's there's a load of that, and I'm happy that, uh, you know, on our side of the fence we do things a little differently. Indeed. Well, he, this is not a question I would I would not ask this of Chris Russell because he's not from here and he didn't grow up a Redskins right. fan. But this is a question right. I will ask of you who is from here, and, and this, this team is in your blood. You've written really – you really – a really well-written piece about late last year when people were rooting for the Cowboys because it would help the Redskins get into the playoffs. You explained that you never would do that. Um, yeah. And, and kind of based on that and just knowing you a little bit, I, I wanted to ask you, so we are doing, it's not the bye week on Redskins Talk Podcast, it's fan week. And so I wanted to ask you what you would say is your favorite Redskins memory or moment. Yeah, it's um, it's going to be somewhat nebulous. I mean, I'm sure, unlike a lot of the people that listen to your podcast, I remember the Super Bowl victories. Like, I remember watching Super Bowl 22, Super Bowl 26, and watching the Redskins win championships. So it would be easy for me to say those. Uh, it would be easy for me to say, you know, Santana Moss beating the Cowboys on Monday night with two big catches. Uh, it would be easy to say, you know, Griffin on Thanksgiving. There's a bunch that stick out, but the game that I'm going to, the instance I'm going to tell you about, I can't even really 
I don't even really know the year that it happened. I, I only know the circumstances. And if you, the article you're talking about that I wrote, I think uh, Dan Steinberg let me write a guest spot for the D.C. Sports Ball yep. um, about rooting for the Cowboys and the Redskins were trying to make the postseason. Um, one of the reasons I couldn't is I have this memory where I was, I was selling Christmas trees with uh, my grandfather and my dad. And it was for some charity. I don't remember what it was for, but they were um, – we were out there, and it was either Christmas Eve or it was the day before, and we were playing the Eagles. And we're sitting there, and nobody is buying Christmas trees because it's <laughs> the day before. And it's cold, and it was, it was weird because we were in a parking lot. I believe it was Huntsman Square, for those people that are familiar with the Burke-Springfield area. And we'd been there all night, and we had this little radio. We were listening to the game on it. And my dad and my grandfather had a bottle of Crown Royal, and they didn't let me have any, but because they had a bottle of Crown Royal, they were pretty loose, and they were <laughs> cheering and enjoying the game, and they were really into it. And that's how I kind of got into the Redskins, is that I saw my you know, my dad and my, my grandfather be into the Redskins. So at one point, um, CSN's own uh, Brian Mitchell caught, uh, he caught a punt return, I think, and he took it back for a touchdown. And there's probably six or seven of us, and everyone just started freaking out. Everyone started jumping up and down and losing their minds and knocking things over. And we were sitting there, and it was frigid, and we were in a strip mall in northern Virginia, which there's nothing. That's all northern Virginia is, is strip malls. <laughs> but it was, it, it was, it was such unbridled. I don't even remember, JP, if they won the game. I just remember B-Mitch taking that ball to the house and everyone losing their minds. And um, it was it was the it was the most positive sports memory that I probably have uh, watching, playing, consuming in any way, shape, or form. And unfortunately, it, uh, it's so dear to me that it's caused me to watch every single Redskins game since, and I've wasted beautiful autumn Sundays now for 38 years of my life. <laughs> this team has been middling to average at best, but um, that was – that was it, and that's why, you know, I, I wouldn't care if the Redskins could clinch home field advantage. I'm never going to root for the Dallas Cowboys or the Philadelphia Eagles or the New York Giants because it's just it's less about football for me and more about that um, that connection that I remember having, and uh, it was really cool. It was a cool night. Dukes, you just hit a walk-off home run. That <laughs> – <laughs> Seriously, that story. Thank so you. I've had a lot of great people come on and tell awesome stories, but it's about Super Bowls or big wins. And, and right. as cool as that stuff is, it, I mean, that story to me resonates because it's it's you and your family or, or, or it's dudes with their friends, whatever it is. That was fantastic. Yeah. Seriously. Thanks, man. That's why a lot of people, I mean, honestly, with Snyder, he gets so much vitriol. I understand Dan Snyder, and I understand he's got his family wrapped up into this whole thing, his father and all of that. He's, he's kind of like us, and he's done things that we don't like, but if we were running this team, it wouldn't just be about dollars and cents. It wouldn't. It would be, we would do things that didn't make sense, and we'd be impulsive, and we'd, we'd try to grow too quickly because he's a fan. And that's why, you know, I've questioned him, and I've criticized him, and he deserves criticizing but that's why I've always kind of cut him a break is because I'd be the same way if I was the owner of the Redskins because I can't separate all of this emotional baggage that I have tied into this franchise from trying to run it on a day-to-day level. So that's why, I mean, that's just a little sidebar to it. I don't know what that has to do with the story, but I think a lot of people in this town have difficulty separating the emotion and the family and the history from the day-to-day machinations of a successful football team. Dukes, you're the man. This has been 
awesome. And I want to have you back and we can talk a half hour about everything. And we can talk about coleslaw and music and everything. Oh, my God. Please stop with your quivering vinegary cabbage and polluting pulled pork with it, JP. Thank you for everything, man. I appreciate it. (laughs) My pleasure, brother. Take care. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. All right, we are going to have a lot of fun with our next guest. Everybody that's a Redskins fan follows Burgundy Blog. We have Brent that runs Burgundy Blog joining us. Brent, what's up, man? Hey, JP. What's up, buddy? I'm doing good. Uh, I appreciate you joining us, man. Um, you you have the pulse of the fan in a way I think few do. Uh, I'm curious, you know, how would you get to this station in your in your fandom where – I, what, what is your Twitter bio read? Truth for Redskins fans, something like that? <laughs> On the Redskins for the truth. Oh, I like it. I like it. How'd you get uh, here? First of, all, first of all, huge thrill to be on the CSN Redskins podcast with you, JP. Big, big fan. First time, long time. Oh, dude, I appreciate uh, that, man. You guys are high profile and, uh, and really good. I listen to every episode, so thanks for inviting me. So you're saying uh, I owe you a beer then? Oh, please. Yeah, I was going to save that for the end, but you do, yeah. <laughs> all right, fair enough. Um, I, I'm just a, I'm just a guy. I'm just a Redskins fan. I have no, uh, like media slash journalism type background at all. Um, I've been following the Redskins since I was like 11 and, um, I started Burgundy blog in 2010. So it's been, I guess this is my seventh or eighth season. Um, I, I started it after a buddy of mine said, you know what? I think you'd probably enjoy having a blog. Um, because you like to write and you're, you know, you're pretty into this one subject. And so I started the blog and I started the Twitter and I just started, you know, I'm over time. I gradually have started to have less and less free time because I'm, I got a busy day job and I'm a family man. And, and so this sort of just became my, my big hobby that I really enjoyed doing. And it's been awesome to interact with a ton of fans and uh, occasionally even like players, coaches, media types. It's just, just a really fun thing for me. Cool, man. I, and I think fans obviously really like it. And it's funny now, like, when news breaks or, you know, e- even after a game, I-, I feel like there are fans waiting for, for your analysis on things. And uh, <laughs> that's got to feel pretty cool as a fan that's kind of, like, made it into the the fan hierarchy, if you will. I, I don't know how else to say it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's a little – that's probably overly flattering. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's cool that, like, I have – Certain, certain, uh, you know, I, people, identities, individuals who I, I've not met in person in most cases, but, but who I feel like I know through Twitter mainly, and whose whose opinions, you know, I can I can sort of choose from and rely on, and and just you know, to me the whole 
the whole cool thing about Twitter and blogging about the Redskins is being interact, being able to interact with fans and kind of trying to advance everybody's overall understanding of what's really going on. Yeah, man, it's as much as Twitter can be like a mean place. Like it's like Mean Girls in tenth grade a lot of times, where people are just yeah. rude to one another and insulting one another. Especially as we're entering this like politicized football world, but um, it can also be really cool. Like I've met a lot of great people that when we go to road games, um, a lot of times skins, you know, the Redskins, the team does these rallies, and I'll go and I'll meet these nice people, and it's just cool to connect. I, I'm I'm a big engage. I like engaging with folks. It's just kind of my personality. It seems like you're that way too, and and yeah. I, I enjoy the format. But let's get down to right business, on. man. Um, we are here. This we're not. There is no bye week. This is Redskins fan week. And, and as a fan with a big voice, I, I'm asking lots of folks, but I wanted your story. I, and, and, and this is an open-ended question, so you can take it whatever you, wherever you want it to go. I want to know your favorite Redskins moment or your favorite Redskins memory. Right on. Yeah, I've got one for sure. Um, when I was little, uh, you know, six, eight, even ten years old, I thought, I wasn't really that into football, but my stepdad was a huge, huge Redskins fan, having been from Maryland. And um, his grandfather before him had been a, um, a big Redskins fan, and they had tickets, and he spent a lot of Sundays at RFK. And um, uh, when I was living in New Jersey at the time, but because my stepdad was such a big Redskins fan, I sort of, sort of started to adopt them. And so right as I was starting to understand football a little bit was, of course, the 91 uh, Super Bowl season, and the Redskins obviously were just incredibly fun to watch at that time. Um, so somewhere around that age, I started occasionally making uh, trips down to RFK with him, and so I happened to be lucky enough to be there in person for what is easily and probably will forever be my favorite Redskins moment, which is the so-called seat cushion game when they oh, knock the Falcons cool. out of the playoffs sure. at RFK. So I was, yeah, I mean, I mean, I can't even, I can't even describe how vivid that memory really is for me, but uh, I was I was like 11, I guess. Um, they that game was unbelievable. Uh, momentum swings, and then eventually, just just the, the Redskins overwhelming the Falcons. And then when Riggs scored the last touchdown to sort of put it out of reach, and the and the um, hand warmers and seat cushions started flying, it was just like the most exhilarating moment. And then you can imagine at that point, it was like pretty much through thick and thin. I was I was hooked after that. So that that moment right there has basically propelled me as a Redskins fan through decades. Of sucking since then. Sure, Ed, that's uh, that's a good one to have, man. I mean, I remember Jerry Glanville in his leather trench coat. What do you call those things? A duster or something? <laughs> I, I remember yeah. Jerry Glanville's on the sideline. Remember, he somehow he got a Redskin helmet and had it in the middle of yep. the huddle, and the team yep. was going nuts, beating on the helmet. And what, yeah. wasn't MC Hammer on the sideline of that? Game? Hammer was on the sideline and Holyfield. Holyfield too. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. I imagine it was just the, the atmosphere was insane even before the game started. Because that was so a divisional electric. game. You got to remember the Skins yeah. had a bye, so you're already talking the second round of the playoffs. It was so electric; it was just palpable from the beginning. And um, my stepdad's seats were like in the mezzanine behind this old rickety wall, and everybody in the entire row, all the way around, would just reach over and bang on the mezzanine from the from the inside. And it was like an aluminum wall, so it was super loud. It was just deafening, even at kickoff. Um, uh, my uncle had a big sign in that game that said, Dion is a peon. <laughs> and uh, it just, 
I mean, it, it was, I just, it was, I remember like it was yesterday. It was so much fun. It's like all this time since then, I've just been hoping for something like that with the Redskins. That is a, that is a great story, man. And I think, I think a lot of times we don't realize in the moment, but a lot of these memories that are sports related are also family. I mean, you're talking about your stepdad, exactly. your uncle. I mean, it's yep. just such a, in the, you know, in the moment you're at a football game and that's, what's important is Mark Rippon and Gerald Riggs and, Kurt Govea and whoever else you remember from that day, right? But uh, yeah, yep. But you look back on it, it, it's an entirely different affair. That's a great point. Yeah, being being able to have shared that with him is, is a big part of why it was so special. So I'm I'm pulling up the box score here. Ricky Irvin's and Ricky Irvin's had a TD. Gerald Riggs had two. Tracy yep. Johnson got the only touchdown for the Falcons. The Skins were just so dominant that season, man. Yep. They had 22 first downs. Atlanta had 12. Um, they sacked the Falcons four times. The Skins put up 332 yards of total offense. The Falcons had 193 yards of offense with two fumbles. They had six turnovers in that game. God, <laughs> I forgot that. Yeah, I mean, dude, you, you, there's no way you would remember this stuff. We're talking almost 30 years ago. And, yeah. <laughs> um, hold on. I want to see. Who was the quarterback for the Falcons? Do you remember? Um... Uh, I can't place it. No, I need you to look it up. Yeah, I'm trying to find Chris Miller. Chris Chandler? Chris Miller. You were close. Miller, Miller, yeah. 17 of 32 with four picks and four sacks. Dude, you ready for this? His QB rate for the game, 29.9. Oh, that defense was so awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Versus Rippon wasn't great in that game, 14 to 29 for a buck 70 and a touchdown. Defensively, Monty Coleman had a pick. Danny Copeland had a pick. Kirk Cuvea, who I just randomly picked that name, he had a pick. And Nailed it. Martin Mayhew had a pick. Wow. That's a fun one to uh, – that's a fun memory lane trip, man. Um, man, the Redskins were so sick and Madden for Sega Genesis that year. <laughs> I bet, man. I bet. Ernest Biner to the house all day. Uh, I, I've told – so obviously I work with B. Mitch. I've gotten to know him pretty well. Despite him always calling me a Bama, I think we're friends. I've gotten to know a, a decent amount, or at least met a decent amount of guys that were involved in that 91 team. And, and I firmly believe that team kind of changed the, the scope of my life and, and my career trajectory because I was, we're about the same age. I was 10 years old for that team, and I was obsessed, man. I, I mean, yeah. I was obsessed. I, I remember <laughs> in English class, I was no longer allowed to write my creative writing about the Redskins because my teacher wanted me to write about something else. So That's awesome. I hear you, man. Um, Brent, I really appreciate you coming on, man. Anything you want fans to know as, as the Skins get going down the rest of the stretch here for, uh, for 2017? I'm just super, super excited to see if they can build on that on that ridiculously good showing they had against Oakland on Sunday night. Um, I, you know, I guess your guess is as good as mine, I guess, as to whether they can they can keep it together. But boy, I mean, you guys been you and Rich been talking about it and covering it beautifully for CSN. But the defense just was. Just, I mean, I can't remember a time uh, since basically the game we were just talking yeah, about since that, that, the, that the defense the defense has just. So, so totally and completely imposed its will. It's just, it's just so fun to watch. I mean, I've been thinking about it for the last few days. It's just right a on, lot of man. fun to relive. Right on. And don't forget local celebrity Mitch Tischler. He's, he's, he's a big part of this stuff, too. <laughs> right on. <laughs> uh, Brent, thank you so much for joining us, man, and uh, take care. Everybody follow Thanks, Brent JK. at Burgundy Blog. Thanks, buddy. See ya. Right. Take care. <laughs> I owe you a beer.
Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.